Hey everyone, welcome to another Georgian Top 3. Evan Lewis here, and today I'm joined by Kristen Daniels, who's Georgian's VP of Corporate Development. And today we're talking about the top three questions to consider to get your company ready for a successful exit. So Kristen, the end game for all of our companies is typically an exit, either privately or via an IPO. But if you're a CEO, you may not have gone through the exit process before. In some cases, you know, it's a multiple time CEO where you've um, sold your company. But in in any case, getting to a successful exit can be challenging and each company situation is unique. So we'd love if you could just share a little bit of your background, your role at Georgian and how you think about supporting our companies on Corp Dev and driving towards a successful exit. Awesome. Thanks, Evan. Uh, I joined Georgian last September, so September of 2019, from OpenText Corporation, where I led the corporate development team and and thinking about everything from sourcing deals through to evaluating deals and building the models around a business case, uh, actually executing on a transaction, and then ultimately for the first year post-closing in terms of integration planning and actual integration. And so from that experience, uh, I really developed a buyer's mindset and particularly around a buyer's mindset as we think about technology companies. Prior to my time at OpenText, I was in private practice as a lawyer. Don't hold that against me, please. Uh, And so I saw transactions from a lot of different angles as an external advisor, both on the buy side and on the sell side, public transactions, private transactions, corporate finance transactions of all different natures, including bank financing. So I have been around all different types of transactions and all different types of ways and really bring that experience to our portfolio companies as they think about how to best prepare themselves, whether it is the exit transaction that they're thinking about, whether it is a uh, follow-on financing round and they're thinking about their narrative and who might be interested investors or partners, whether it is a portfolio company thinking about doing their own M&A and trying to build a strategy around uh, buy versus build analysis and filling product gaps through acquisition or thinking about inorganic growth strategies. And, and part of that is also thinking about relationships that matter, whether it's a partner or a strategic alliance or building a long-term relationship with a future prospective acquirer, building a relationship with a PE firm, building relationship with investment banks or law firms that can support you and provide uh, market insights through that period as you're thinking about what your next strategic step is. And I would say overarching all of that, my goal is to really support our companies as they think about value creation and strategic planning, because of course that is the underpinning of all of this, having any kind of successful follow-on fundraising or any kind of successful exit transaction, regardless of the nature. Amazing. You are sort of like a secret weapon, I'm sure, for a lot of our CEOs. So that's really, really fantastic and appreciate the overview. So now let's dig into the top three. So if I'm a CEO and I'm thinking about how I can best prepare myself for an exit, you know, obviously we want it to be successful. Where do I start? What are sort of these three core pillars that you think about? And first, we'll talk about the ecosystem. We'd love to dive into your thoughts on that and and how you coach our Um, companies to think about the ecosystem that they plan? So I think it's really hard sometimes for uh, operators 
who are very busy in the day-to-day to take a step back and think about what's going on around them and what that means ultimately for their business. And that's why I really encourage this ecosystem, this broader ecosystem view. And it can be difficult. There's so much information out there uh, from so many different sources. So trying to stay on top of who bought who, who invested in who, which public companies have announced particular strategies with respect to a particular area that could impact uh, your space is very difficult to stay kind of in the know. And so taking a step back at a periodic basis and really gathering that market intelligence and thinking about where you sit in that ecosystem, I think is critically important. And one of the last things we'll talk about, Evan, is narrative. Uh, But this is a feeder and a foundation for both strategic planning, growth planning, and, and narrative. Having that awareness of what your niche position is can really drive uh, those strategic plans. So who are the other players? What differentiates you from those players? What's happening at the purchase level when one of your customers is making that purchase decision? Who are the other options they're evaluating? Who are you competing against for budget dollars? Uh, what is their strategy if, if it's known? When you take a look at their website, what kinds of things are they emphasizing? And are large cap tech companies focused on your space? If they're not, ask the question, why not? Is it something that you see on their roadmap based on moves that they've made, either investments or acquisitions they've made, things that they've said publicly? Uh, because, of course, the dynamics of a space change very quickly once you have an 800-pound gorilla Uh, that has turned their sights to it. I like to think of it in five kind of chunks. And the first chunk, which we sort of alluded to, but thinking about the purchase level decision is really your core competitors. Who do you see every day? And I think companies usually have a pretty good understanding of who their core competitors are and what those core competitors are doing. The next kind of piece I would look at is the indirect competitors. What is happening with people who are solving a different business problem, but selling into the same customers because they may be part of that budget allocation question. And, you know, there's a real question around competitive moat as to whether or not you are able to prevent them from coming into your space. So having an eye and a view on kind of what they're doing, what their strategies are, how they're solving and approaching business problems, I think can be really informative. It also can inform future opportunity for you. Is there an opportunity for you to move into their space? Um, Is that an expansion opportunity? And this exact same thing applies as we think about adjacencies. So somebody using a different technology to solve a similar business problem, maybe with the same type of customers, but is that either a threat or an opportunity for your business as well? What are those companies doing? How are they tackling those business problems? What kind of technology are they using? Um, And again, just building that holistic view of the world around you. The other two pieces I'd like to look at are your lighthouse customers. So those really influential customers that you are targeting that have a lot of purchasing power and can influence demand in the space. What are they prioritizing? How are they allocating their budget dollars? What are they asking you for? And being able to kind of unlock those things and really take a step back and take stock of them can help you create a scalable and repeatable kind of go-to-market engine. And then the last piece, as we sort of touched on already, is really what is large cap tech doing? So is it the Salesforce, Oracles, SAPs, Apples, you know, IBM, name your large cap tech company? Are they focused on your space? Are they solving a similar problem in a different way? Have they 
intentionally decided not to focus on their on that on your space and thereby created a potential opportunity for acquisition in the future. Uh, so really thinking about what they're doing and how they're focused on this area so that you can start aligning your strategy, both from a relationship building perspective, potentially a partnership perspective, if you want to uh, see if there's an opportunity to work together. Uh, and also just thinking about kind of how the space might evolve and, and make sure you're not blindsided uh, by somebody making a big move uh, and capturing market share really quickly. Amazing. Okay, perfect. So that makes a ton of sense. So you've looked at the ecosystem, you've almost built your radar system, if you will, you've identified, you know, some key relationships in different pockets or sectors that might be key to build. And I love what you said at the start about uh, you coming in with the buyer's mindset. So now if we say, okay, you've looked at the ecosystem and you've identified a few areas that you may want to play and focus your efforts. Now let's think about based on where you've identified some potential opportunities, what are the people who hold the keys and hold the budgets in those seats? What are they thinking and what will they value? So you talk a lot with our companies about value drivers. If you could uh, shed a little bit more light on how you think about that and why you feel it's important. Absolutely. I mean, it goes directly hand in hand with the ecosystem piece. I think of the ecosystem piece as being the external kind of self-assessment about where you fit and where there is a market niche. And the value drivers piece is really doing that internal self-assessment and saying, where are we strong? And what is a third party who comes and looks at our business, you know, completely blind going to see as our strengths? And how do we then, and we'll get to this as our kind of third section, how do we then turn that into a powerful narrative, combining those two things together? So I like to think of them as building blocks or building blocks to value. And, and you can conceptualize them as a pyramid. So the first kind of building block is your, what we call core metrics. This is very uh, objective, financially driven. What are you measuring and what does it say about your business? And this is a gating item, frankly, for anyone who's going to invest in your company in the future, for anyone who's going to potentially acquire your company in the future. If you're thinking about IPOing, you know, it tells a story about your business. And so, you know, what is the momentum? What does your growth look like? I'm sure everyone, all, all the portfolio companies, I'm sure are sick of hearing us talk about SAS metrics. It's a litmus test. It's like going to the doctor and the doctor is looking at you and kind of assessing your symptoms. These core metrics are basically those evidentiary symptoms of what's happening in the business. And if they're really strong and positive, then it's going to build a very credible foundation for some very strong competitive advantages when we get into the next set of strategic drivers. If there are weaknesses, um, then there, you need to have a credible story about what transformation the company is going through or what is happening that's leading uh, to some of those weaknesses. The other part of this, though, I think it's really important is choosing the right metrics. What can you measure that tells the story that you want to tell about your business? Now, that doesn't mean that you get to ignore growth rates or that you get to ignore, you know, your cash burn or uh, questions about profitability, but there may be other things that tell a more credible and stronger story about the business that you're building. And so I think taking a step back and making a really proactive effort to start measuring the right things alongside the kind of expected things, if you will, uh, can be really beneficial. You know, is there something happening? You know, if you segment your customer base, does that tell a different retention story as an example? Because 
again, this is a litmus test. This is a gating item. Anybody who's coming in to look at your business from the outside is going to very first thing ask you for financials and ask to do a health check on the business based on what those financial metrics are telling them. The next piece really gets into what I like to call the secret sauce. It's the strategic drivers. It's thinking about all the things that make your business special and all the things that differentiate you from your competitors. So, you know, do you have a history of innovation? Do you have really strong product uh, that's difficult to replicate, that's highly defensible, that's owned by you? How's your product market fit? Thinking about your ability to scale. Do you have world-class talent that makes you special? Do you have uh, strong customer relationships and relationships with your partners? What do your customers say about you? What feedback are they giving you about how they're making the purchase decision? How are you building relationships with partners that are adding value to your business, demonstrable value to your business? And then really thinking about the customer proposition. How do you generate value for your customers? What is that ROI model? How long does it take for customers to see value? Uh, We know that all of these things really tie back to how effective and differentiated your business is. Culture is another way that uh, we can see a strong differentiation. Do you have a strong mission and vision? And does that permeate everything you do as a company? Is everybody lined in the boat together, rowing in the same direction towards the same goal? Um, And then the last component there that we kind of look at as a heading is market recognition. Do you have an analyst relations program? Are you recognized? Is there brand awareness? If someone says, you know, oh, uh, I'm looking in this space and, you know, will they associate your name with that particular business problem or that particular solution? And I think it's easy to underestimate, particularly in the early days of a company, how powerful that can be. And even if it doesn't necessarily impact your day-to-day, just that brand awareness, that brand recognition, uh, showing up in Gartner or other kind of analyst tables uh, can be a very, very powerful tool and can drive value because it gets you into the customer mind. Super interesting. You know, there's seems to be a lot of parallels, not surprisingly, between fundraising, you know, if you're looking to raise your next say series A or series B, and then also the narrative that you're looking to craft when you're selling your company. So definitely some good parallels there for the listeners. So now you've looked at the external ecosystem, you've looked at your internal value drivers and considered things from a buyer's mindset. When if you think back to your time doing acquisitions and stuff, I would love to speak from experience on what makes a great narrative for a founder and a CEO who's trying to sell their business and specifically trying to build trust with the counterparty. How do you tie all those things together in a really cohesive fashion? Well, I would say there's a, there's a third bucket actually in the building blocks to value, which is about premium opportunities. And that's really about telling the future vision and future story of the company. And that's where you get into the narrative piece. So You've got your first building block around core metrics. You've got your second building block around your strategic drivers. Those two things have to be totally harmonious and fit together. If you want to tell a story in a narrative that says you have really strong product market fit and your retention rates stink, it's just not credible. Similarly, as you go into the third bucket around kind of premium opportunities, those are the really high growth, high value things that a potential buyer or investor is going to place a premium valuation on and say, okay, I get it. You're really strong in these areas today. Your core metrics set that up. 
but now I'm understanding your future vision. I'm understanding that you have this strong data mode. And although you haven't taken steps yet to necessarily monetize that data or figure out what you could do as a second extrapolation with that data beyond what you do today, I see the value in that data. Or I see that you have the potential to execute on an M&A strategy and build a bigger business and consolidate a space. Or I see the opportunity for you know, geographic expansion. That future vision and that narrative is only credible if it is built on the back of the credibility of the first two components of being able to tell a really cohesive story around the core metrics and around the strategic drivers. And that goes exactly to what you suggested, Evan, about building trust. And so that's why it's really important when we kind of go back into those initial buckets, what will be credible? What can you measure? What can you put forward that is objective evidence of the subjective story that you want to tell and the vision that you want to sell? If you want to sell a vision that says we are the next Amazon, you know, nobody is going to find that credible unless there's a really strong and credible story around how you built that vision. So if you're saying, you know, today we're at, you know, a company that does $10 million in revenue, but we see this incredible opportunity to scale. And, and we see that we're only today operating in North America, but we could be operating globally as we think about the premium opportunities and that extra lever on value. Okay, well, tell me how you've built a talent plan. Tell me how you built a go-to-market plan. What's your, how are you going to select markets? Like going, it, it dumps you back every time into those strategic drivers and how you've built an infrastructure foundation inside the company to be able to make that future vision sound credible and marrying those things together with the ecosystem piece. Are you telling the same story as everybody else? You've now nailed what makes you special, what you're good at, where you have strengths, where you have opportunities, you demonstrated a level of self-awareness. You've got the credibility because everything kind of marries together. You know, is it distinct? Is it, a, is it truly a differentiated story? And that's where kind of marrying it together with the ecosystem piece comes in. And if it's not, you know, you need to be able to articulate a plan to go out and, and credibly be the number one or number two player in a space. How are you going to dominate the space? How have you fit that plan together to make that realistic? It's all about telling a credible story. And I think what people underestimate is how much preparation you need to do in advance to be able to do that. First of all, who is going to be the person who's going to drive the narrative in an actual interaction? And have they gone deep on all these areas? Have you thought about the types of questions that you're going to get? Have you done that preparation? You know, I've heard time and time again from some of our portfolio companies, ah, I wish that I had done more rehearsal. I wish I had done more to practice delivering that narrative and had done more to get external feedback on the narrative. It's, it's that self-awareness combined with, combined with that external view, mirror those things together and pressure test it, practice. You have people who aren't close to your business. And you know that's something obviously I spend a lot of time doing. And um, we have lots of people at Georgian who are available to do that. Um, we also can connect companies with investment banks, have them pitch the investment bank. They, they hear these pitches all day long. <laughs> they can tell you whether or not it's going to resonate and they'll poke holes. And you want that. 
because the best preparation is really anticipating the kind of questions you're going to get where somebody who doesn't know your business might see uh, weaknesses and being able to hit those kind of head on and be prepared with responses. Again, that you can back up with metrics and, and really having taken the time and energy to give that a lot of thought before you're in front of somebody for the first time. Wow, that is an amazing summary. And I think given all the details and intricacies there, I think it just showcases the importance and the value of having someone like yourself with the wealth of experience that you have to sort of be a strategic ally and a guide for CEOs and executive teams through this process. So Kristen, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all this. And that's it from us. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Evan. 